run away, Forrest. Run, Forrest! Run away! Hurry! Get the bikes! Hurry up! Let's get it! Come on! Look out, Johnny! Here we come! Let's get you! showed our kids this movie this last year and um, forgot how wonderful it is. But I'm going to tell you right there, that picture, have that stuck in your mind all morning long. That picture right there is God's picture for you. For every one of us in this room. What, if there's anything holding us back, bracing us down, God makes it really super clear, man, that he has a vision for your life for you to be everything that he created you to be. And that's what we're looking at. And for us, right? I mean, because when he started running, he discovered his life, didn't he? And what a life that guy lived. And here's what's true, is we, are, we believe with all of our heart here at K2 that God has designed every single one of us for a life. Jesus said, I came so your life would be full and complete. And we shared with you guys last week our desire here at K2 and our commitment to you is to invite you and equip you to live this adventure of following God. So for some of you um, who, are, who are here this morning, it might be an invitation to say, there is a life with God that is so much more than you could ever dream. And for those of us who bought in and we're actually Christians, there's hardly, most of us, right, are kind of believing, especially in the new year, that there's more though. There's more than what I'm actually living. And so, Jesus said this, he goes, knowing me is life. Knowing him is really the life. And that's why we call it at K2 the adventure of following God. Because if you follow him, that means again, like we talked last week, he actually gets to lead. <laughs> Which means God's stuff starts get, getting done with your life instead of yours. 
And if you follow him, that means you're with him. That means God's presence is with you every moment of every day. And that's what we want to invite you into. So here's the deal, man. I got so much today, I'm just going to dive right in, okay? So let's just pray, and let's ask God to give us a vision and to equip us to live the life that he has for us, okay? Father, thank you for this morning. I again thank you for this new year. I thank you for the hope that newness brings. You have designed the creation, and you've designed us for this new year to reflect on what's happened, but also to look forward to what you have. God, I love your word this morning. I love what you want to say to us. I'm asking just for grace in this room, trusting that your presence, your Holy Spirit here, out of your great love for everyone, would speak directly to our own hearts and then to us corporately as a church about the life that you want us to live. Have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this series, Run, we're going to look at a passage um, in three weeks. We're going to tear apart. It's pretty small, actually, but we're going to tear apart this passage for three weeks, okay? If you have your Bibles, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and um, you can open that up on your app, the K2 app, if you want, again, and follow along with scripture and notes. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read this. It's from the English Standard Version, and then um, we'll start looking, tearing it apart. Here we go. Paul says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So flee from youthful passions. Okay, the first thing we need to see from this passage is that it's telling us that every one of us in this room has the chance to be valuable to God. Every single one of us has a chance for that. It says, if anyone cleanses him, then you can actually be used for honorable service. So in, in that word honorable is the word to esteem. So here's, here again is part of our struggle many times as humans is we don't believe how valuable we are to God. We struggle to think that he loves us, that he cares about us, that he has anything great for us, but the scriptures are telling us, no, anything, every single one of you in this room, God has plans for you to be honorable, to be esteemed, to actually be super valuable. So he says, in the house, okay, and that would be like, I think basically everybody I studied just said that in the church, in the church, in the whole church, there's tons of different people. And he goes, but some, there's honorable and there's dishonorable. Now what does that mean? For just real quick, what it's not Okay, because sometimes if you read your, your New International Version, it'll actually say that the, the, there are some for special use and then there's some for common use. And we need to understand this is really important. It doesn't mean that if you're really important to God, then you'll always have really important positions. And we know that that's not true because Jesus says, if you're the greatest in my kingdom, you're the servant of everybody. And so we got to make sure as we go through this passage that we're not thinking in the world's view, but we're taking God's view. This is God's perspective, okay? And so when he's saying every single one of you in this room 
can be of honorable use or dishonorable. What it's not is a greater position. What it is is this. There are those, if you look in the context of 2 Timothy, he was, Paul was saying, there's people in the church who actually are teaching things that aren't right. They're not true. And so, and when you start taking things that aren't true and then following those, you end up doing stuff that's not what God wants you to do. So he says, we actually have, and he was warning Timothy as a leader, a young leader in this church. He goes, you need to understand, there's some people who are not following my ways, both in, intellectually, they're not, they're not interested in what I'm actually saying, and they're not doing what I want them to do. And so he says, so that's what it is. There are those who hold to the truth, and they've dove in with all they are to follow God. Here's the difference in this passage between the honorable person and the dishonorable. The difference is in how useful they are to the Lord to fulfill the work for which he has called them. This is what God sees as useful or honorable or dishonorable. Look at this. I'm going to describe this for you. He says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. If any of us will do this this morning, this morning we have a chance, right? to hear what God's gonna say and make a choice because it's open to everybody. But now he describes it. What is a person who's of honorable use? They're set apart as holy, they're useful to the master of the house, and they're ready for every good work. So here's what it is, you guys, if you're honorable. Let's, let's talk about it in our language. If you're honorable, it means you're completely devoted to God, you say yes to God, and you're ready to go. That's it right there. When God goes, if there's anybody in the church at all, if there's anybody who says, man, I'm completely devoted to you, so I belong to you, God, right? And the Bible says this, as soon as you receive him, because the word here actually, right, set apart is holy, okay? All that means is set apart is holy. Again, I've said this many times here. It's the word for cut. It means it's separated. And so as soon as you receive Christ, he goes, you're sanctified, you're holy because you've received Christ, At the same time, once you receive him, there is a process of continuing to say, God, I'm completely devoted to you. And then you say yes to God, and you're ready to go. I love when it says always prepared. That word means eager, willing, no hesitation. So basically, I don't know how you walked in here this morning, but my guess is there are some of you who are like that. You walked in, and right now you're like, you know what? I, I am. I am so devoted to God, and I, I say yes to him as much as I'm eager this morning. <laughs> it's Sunday morning, and I'm here at church, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say to me so I can just say yes because I love following God. <laughs> but the truth is, most of us walk in, and we're kind of there, right? We're like, well, let's see what Dave has to say today, <laughs> and let's see if I like it or not. <laughs> Let's see if this is what I agree with or not. And so my challenge is, and this is for me personally too, every morning, and for you and I, to have a heart that's actually eager. That's the honorable person. And God says, when there's anybody who's completely devoted to me, and they say yes to me, and they're eager to listen to me, I esteem you. Then he goes, I honor you, and I will use you. You are useful 
to me. So what's dishonorable? It's just the opposite. Dishonorable is I'm devoted to something else besides God. God isn't the most important thing to me. There are other things that actually creep in. And the truth is I'm saying no to God, and I'm not ready to go. And what God says is in there, if there's someone who is devoted to other things instead of me, says no to me, and is not eager to follow me, he goes, then I can't use you. Does that make sense? I I can't use you because you don't say yes. (laughs) And so, but here's the good news. All of us can actually respond to him. And again, I think that's why he's given us the new year, you guys. It's 2017. It's January. It's a time to rethink how we're living our life. So, the adventure is following God. Now, the truth is, the first thing that has to happen for anyone who wants to follow God is you actually have to receive Christ. That's what Jesus said. He goes, hey, if you actually want to follow him, can I just give you a clue? You can't do it. You will never do it as a human being by yourself. You actually need to receive me. Jesus said, I am the only one. I am the way. There's nobody else who has the power to say yes to God. Human beings always struggle. So he says the first, the invitation is to receive actually Christ and receive his spirit that says yes to God. I would never say yes to God except he changed me when I received him. So you got to receive the invitation first to even have the power to be able to do this. But here's what I found. You can actually be a Christian truly and not follow him. Anybody want to say amen? Okay. How many of you are Christians and you struggle to follow him? All right. So this is what we got to talk about today. So I remember, again, real quick, I don't have time to get into the depth of my story, but it was, it's, it's so important. When I first received Christ, I was actually 11 years old. And that's why our middle school, who, by the way, right now is on their retreat this weekend, and I have, as I sent my 11-year-old boy, it's amazing for me to think that's when my life changed forever. But the truth was, no one helped me know what I did. I, ever since I was 11, because I received him, I wanted to say yes to God. But I didn't. And I didn't. And I didn't. And next thing you know, I developed a pattern of saying no to God, but really not wanting to. Anybody know that feeling? What a horrible place to be because now you know, man, you're not living the life that you you were created to live. I was not useful to God at all because I wasn't devoted to him. I was devoted to other, I wanted God, but I was devoted to other things. Devoted to my girlfriend, devoted to my own personal happiness, devoted to whatever I wanted. That's what my most important thing was. So I couldn't say yes to God, and I wasn't ready to do anything he wanted me to do. I didn't want to, oh, God freaked me out. He might ask me to go to Africa, right? So that's where I was. And then I'll never forget, man, I was sitting on, I was a 19-year-old kid, 18 now, I was 18, and I'm sitting on a lawnmower, working for the city parks. And God just came back to me. Because he speaks, which we're going to talk about in two months. You have to know how to hear the voice of God so that you can find who you were created to be. And I'm sitting on a lawnmower, and all I could hear God say to me was, Run, Dave, run! (laughs) 
Run! Why? Because you know this is not the life that I created you for. You know that you're doing things that are not who I've designed you for. And you know what? Some of you walked in here today and that's you, man. You actually want him. You actually would love to be useful to God, but you know you're doing things he doesn't want you to do. And get that image of, of, of forest, because some of you are running like this, spiritually. But if you will run, if you will walk by faith, I'm telling you, he can bust and set you free. I'll never forget, man. So here's what had to happen, though. I, it, because of where I was at, I had to run away from everything. And this is what I don't think most Christians have ever done. Have you ever truly ran away from everything that's not of God? So for me, that meant ending a relationship of four and a half years with someone I loved with all my being. It meant having to leave the school where a bunch of my successful stuff was going on. I had to leave all my, this was me, this was my journey, it's not yours, but it was mine. And I'll never forget, man, I go down to Hodunk Little Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I sit in the dorm room, and my mom and dad drop me off, and I just start crying. Because <laughs> I was like, what did I just do? And then it hit me. I did it. I did it. I remember I sat there with God, and I'm like, as, now I was 19. As a 19-year-old kid, I'm like, there's nothing else I can give you. I have given you everything. And I'll never forget, I sat there on that little dorm, empty dorm room bed, and I simply said, let's go for it. And I started running. And I want to tell you, man, I found my life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever become set apart, holy, completely devoted to God, where nothing else is more important to you than him? If you haven't, you have so much to look forward to. There's so much freedom and power in Christ you haven't tasted yet. Have you ever gotten to the point where you would say yes to God no matter what? Have you ever been to that place where you're just so eager to be in the morning with him in the word or be at church on Sunday or be in a life together? You're just eager because you can't wait for God to speak to you so you'll do whatever he wants you to do because then you know you'll get to see God's stuff get done and you'll know you'll be in his presence and there's nothing better than being in the presence of God. That happens when you run away. But here's what I learned. You don't do it once. You don't do it once. Dadgummit. Jesus says you have to die what? Daily. This is actually something that I have to do over and over again. And here's the key as we go into this, okay, for all of us. If you want 2017 to be different than 2016, which I'm sure every one of us do, even if you had a good 2016, that just makes you believe there's more, right? If you want it to be different, I listened to a message from Henry Cloud this week. Listen to his, this quote. He says, the biggest enemy of tomorrow is something we are doing today. 
and it must end for us to get there. Did you hear that? The biggest enemy of the dream that God has for your life for tomorrow is something that you're doing right now. And so this actually has to end. If this doesn't end, then you're never going to see what it's going to be. When Jesus called, right, are we saying? The adventure is the adventure of following God. When Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, hey, Peter, James, John, drop your nets, okay? Matthew, no more tax collector, okay? Come follow me. You know what they had to do? They had to leave everything and follow him. You know what that meant? It meant that what they were doing, they couldn't do anymore. And they had to do something new. And I'm telling you, man, and me included, God has something he don't want me to do anymore. And he has something for you too. Because he has something new for you that's greater than you've ever tasted. All right? So the first step in these next 18 minutes, I just saw it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look, because we got to figure out how to run away. And here's what I realized. We don't do this very well. Okay? We aren't very well trained in how to run. And I'm going to try to equip you right now how to run away. Next week, we're going to talk about how to run towards something, but today's run away. So here we go. Let's go. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee. Here's what, here's what the Bible tells you. Hey, you want a great life? You want to be useful to God? You want the full life? You got to flee from youthful passions. This is interesting. You know where the word flee comes from? The same word as a fugitive. What's a fugitive? A fugitive, a fugitive, if you can say it, is somebody who's continually on the run to escape capture. That's for us. These dudes want to destroy him, man. They want to take him down. So he's got a bolt. So when when the Bible says you got to flee, here's what you need to believe. If you don't flee, this stuff, these youthful passions, they're going to destroy you, man. They're going to hold you captive, and they're going to keep you from ever being who God created you to be. Jesus said they steal, kill, and destroy you. They try to disempower you. See, this is what we got to believe. This stuff is killing me. This is life. I'm going to flee from that. What are the passions? The the word just means desires, cravings, longings in a negative sense. And let's just be honest, there's not a, you're not human in here if you don't have cravings and longings and desires for things that aren't good for you. Doesn't it stink to be human sometimes? (laughs) Because we just have these drives inside of us. But what are they? I think it's interesting that Paul says they're youthful. Here's, Here's what I would say. Youth means you're moving from child to adult, okay? Some of you are there right now. You're a youth, and you're moving from being a child, but you're not an adult yet. You know what happens when you're a youth? You are gaining your what? Your independence. That's, that's my guy, I got teenagers now. Our role, our job is to help them become independent, right? So by the time they graduate, they can go live the life that they're supposed to live. But I'm telling you, man, the season of being a teenager, of discovering your independence, causes you to think about who? Yourself. And it's just a state you go through because you're discovering this is me. And as you start thinking about yourself at the same time, inside there, there's sexual passions growing up. There's partying that's going up. There's self-assertion because you want to realize that you're important. You start craving for positions and power. You start being jealous and you envy, right? 
And, and this is just part of what it is to grow up. And so Paul's saying, and here's what I found. I remember being in high school. Now, when I was in high school in Lapeer, Michigan, very blue collar, we called people burnouts. Anybody else remember that? <laughs> and I remember when I was in high school, I thought, man, what do, what, do, what do kids who are burnouts do when they grow up? And now I realize they're still burnouts, right? They're still, they're still what, what Paul is saying is, I don't care how old you are, 51 years old, guess what? How about you? I've got youthful passions. And some of us right now, we need to, Paul's saying, then get away from them. I was saying no to God. Why? Because I wanted pleasure as I saw it right now. And some of you are saying no to God because you want pleasure right now. And what that does is it makes you dishonorable because you are devoted to your pleasure instead of God. Okay, just sit with that one for a moment. Some of you are devoted to your pleasure instead of God. And it causes you to say no to him. So you don't see God's stuff get done in your life. And you don't sense his presence. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to keep doing that. All right? So, run away. I'm going to unpack this verse and give you four very quick practical ways to run away. Look at this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You guys, God has a race marked out for you. So throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles so you can run. And then he says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter and perfecter of your faith. Remember, it's a walk of faith. You want to run. You want to experience what God has for you. But Jesus is the perfecter of your faith. You aren't. And we'll get to that in a second. All right? So number one, practical thing for you. You must run away from everything that hinders you. This is the hardest one, I think, for many of us. I was listening again in this Henry Cloud um, uh, teaching, he was talking to some experts who actually do pruning. Maybe some of you have done some pruning, but he was talking to people who prune rose bushes. And they said, when you prune rose bushes, you, and we know this, the reason you prune them is so the bush can be everything that it was actually created to be. But everything on the rose bush is not necessary, necessarily wrong. You don't just prune things because they're bad. He said, partly what happens is rose bushes will produce too many buds. And there's so many buds on the rose bush that the bush can't, with the nutrients that it possesses, it can't actually feed all of the roses, and so none of them become great. He says, so what you have to do is you have to decide which buds are going to be great, and then you actually have to cut off the other good ones. Now here's what, this is so hard. Sometimes... As, and let me just talk to Christians here especially. Sometimes as believers, we are devoted to God. We are devoted to God, but we're saying no to him. And we're saying that we aren't ready to go. And do you know why? This is, this is so true. Because we're so what? Busy. 
I've got so many good things in my life. Sorry, Jesus, man, it's just hard. And they're good things. But are those good things, even, and this is a big one, as a follower of Christ, are you hindered from saying yes to God, from living a supernatural Jamie Winship type of life who does whatever God wants you to do because I don't have time because I have all these other things? You know what devotion is? Because again, what Jesus is saying, if you're holy and set apart unto me, that means you're devoted to me. And devotion by definition is love, loyalty, and enthusiasm. What you love, you'll be devoted to. Right? What, you, what you're loyal to, what you won't miss, that's what you're devoted to. And what gets your enthusiasm is what you're devoted to. And here's the problem. There can be nothing wrong with them. As, as, as Tim Keller says, you, you can love these things, but if they get disordered and you love them more than God, it messes everything up. So I was, again, just really quickly, um, I remember, I think it was like three years ago, I sensed God totally saying to me, David, I don't want you to have anything to do with sports anymore. And I'm like, are you? <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, some of you don't know me. That's like, David, I don't want you to be David anymore. And I fought him for months and months, and he would not let me go. And it was weird because I knew he was saying, I don't want you to read it. I don't want you to watch it. I don't want you to play it. I don't want you to do anything. I want nothing to, I want to cut off sports. <gasps> and I'll never forever get the day when I finally said, okay. It was hard. I battled him for months. And I finally said, okay. Within two days, I was free. It's crazy to me. What are you devoted to? What don't you miss? What are you loyal to? Is it recreation? Do you never miss the gym? Right? Physical training is of some value. See, the Bible even says that. Yes, take care of yourself, but godliness has value for all things. I don't have time to be with God, but I'm going to take care of this thing. See, I'm just going to, I don't have time to get into the list, but I know, let me just give you a few of mine, Okay. Recreational pursuits are one. Another one is kids' activities. Are you kidding me? You put your kid in anything today, and it demands your life. And I, I want to tell you, as a, as a parent, my mom and dad were everything. I put my kids' stuff in the calendar first. I am going to love them, and I'm going to totally support them. But I also know this. Your kids' activities can become more important than God. Now, there's nothing wrong with kids' activities. I want my kids to grow. Here's where you have to check your heart. But is that what you're devoted to, and do they keep you from saying yes to God? That's the issue. The other one for me is just my time. <laughs> Anybody else want your time? I want my time. I actually think I do need some time to refuel and to rest and all that kind of stuff. But you know when your time makes you say no to God. I remember he told me very clearly, man, David, take rest from when you vacation and, when, and on your Sabbath day off. Rest from work, but don't rest from love. Rest from work, but don't rest from love. I can't go anymore. I'll let the Spirit speak to you. Christian, 
Some of you, all of us, I'm sure, need to let the Spirit say, you are hindered. You're not passionate and enthusiastic for me like you used to be. You're not loyal to me like you used to be. The truth is you've lost your first love. There's nothing wrong with these things, but they're hindering you. If you want to be different, you've got to throw them off. Okay? And let me say it again. There's no formula here. It's different for everybody. You just have to check your heart and go, am I honorable? Am I eager to say yes to God? Am I totally devoted to him? Or is this thing making me dishonorable? All right? Number two, he says run away from sin that entangles you. Now, I'm going to go really quick on this one because I think most of us get this, but there's three ways that we've got to learn. Please, Jesus. We've got to learn how to run well, okay? Number one is this. You've got to run away through detachment. You've got to cut it off. You've got to prune it. You've got to throw it off if there's sin in your life. This is the easiest one to understand. In this room right now, there's addictive behavior. Eating. Okay? That's me. You know, for the last two months before the year ended, you could probably check my prayer journal. I was praying and asking God every day, God, please help me. I know I'm not being faithful to be healthy to you with this body. Please help me. Please help me. He decided to help me. You know what he did? I had to get a blood test done. And I found out I ain't healthy. (laughs) It's not good in any level. This is when my mom got cancer and died two years later, this age. Called my dad, said, when did you have your first heart attack? 57. Okay, great. Every level I have is saying I'm next. How you doing? Number one thing, I gotta be healthy. Well, guess what? Then throw it off, man. Right? We've got to do it. Let's get some other ones. Substance abuse. Some of you, it's alcohol, it's drugs, you know it. For others of you, it's pornography and sexual addiction. For some of you, it's gaming. It is gaming. I remember talking to a dean of students at a college. He said, the number one issue, Dave, that we're struggling, the number one issue now as a dean of students is kids can't function because they're addicted to gaming. And some of you adults are addicted as well. Well, guess what? Then you got to throw it off, man. You got to flee and you got to run because it's robbing you of your life. You're not even hanging out with your kids, right? Because you're so, I got to do this. You're so addicted. Technology, <laughs> computers, <laughs> cell phones, right? Facebook, social media. Here's, I'm going to be totally vulnerable with you. Another one for me this year was at 8.30, everything's done. Close my computer, can't look up anything, done. You know what's really weird? I'm like, It's like after 8.30, and I'm like, what's in there? (laughs) I mean, who who emailed me? What am I not getting done? It's like, man, I'm telling you, some of you, you can't even, you look at your home, because this happened to us. Our home, everybody's like this. And we get addicted to this stuff. Spending, some of you are addicted to some spending, and some of you are in horrible, destructive relationships, and you got to get out. Some of you, seriously, tomorrow night, just need to show up to celebrate recovery, where there's a whole group of people who've learned the freedom and grown in what it is to be set free. 
6.30 tomorrow. These guys right here, I mean, some of them right here. And you guys know it. So if you can't say no, show up tomorrow at 6.30 and find a bunch of other people who said, we couldn't say no either. And then they ran away, all right? So let's do it. Never, and, it, and here's what I realized. Every time you say no to these things, it never feels good initially, ever. Detox never feels good, but it's the right thing. And let's be honest, it's also never enough. It's never enough. I had a cool video I don't have time to show you, sorry. But let me just read this passage. You've died with Christ, and you've been set free from the spiritual powers of this world. Thank you. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, uh, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But look at this word. They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So how many of you ran away from something and it didn't work? Come on, go ahead. How many of you ran away from something and it didn't work? I talked to people, why don't you do a New Year's resolution? Because I just don't want to feel guilty because I know it won't work. Right? So let me give you the two things. Very practical and very quick. Okay? Yes, yes, yes. The Bible does say throw those things away and run away from them. Okay? But number two, you've got to run away through love. This is where the power is. Huey Lewis said so. This is how you run. The Bible says, after you throw away everything that hinders, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. You guys remember what I said last week? The adventure is what? The adventure isn't religious rules. The, revent, the, re, the adventure is not going, well, I won't do this, and I won't taste this, and I won't do this, I won't do that. It just gives pious, into, next thing you know, you start feeling, it's, it's not what it's about. It's about following Jesus and the only way you follow Jesus is if you love him. Look what he says here. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. If you actually love him, you'll do what he says. That's what Jesus is saying. So here's, here's my very simple application from you. See, because if you cut stuff off and it's gone, whoo, man, I, I don't look at bad stuff on my computer anymore. I'm not getting caught up in debt in my credit card anymore. You know, I'm not doing that anymore. Awesome. But here's what we know. They're going to be, or, or, right? Next thing you know, temptation's going to be right at your door. How do you run when temptation is at your door? Here's what you do. You hit the key, pornography pops up, and then you say, Jesus, I love you. You pull out the credit card, and you go, oh, man, I know that I'm so far in debt, but I just got to have this next thing. Pull out your credit card and go, Jesus, I love you. You know what? You can't be involved in evil stuff and love him at the same time. I think the most powerful, practical thing I can tell you is something, because if I asked how many of you love him, most of us would go, I love him. Then when temptation is creeping at your door, you know how you run away? You say, I love you. 
And if you do, it'll be power to put it away. All right? So run away through love. And then lastly, but what about, I cut it off, it crept right next to me, but now I did it again. I did it again. I'll never, I'll never get over this. I'll never stop. How do you run away once you've done it again? You fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. You guys, you will never cleanse yourself. This is the best news in all the world. The way you run is not by trying harder to run. The way you run is through confession. You run through confession. You know what actually, and we'll get more into this next week, you know what actually leads to repentance? I'm going I'm to go into this in depth next week. You know what actually leads to repentance, which empowers you? Repentance just means I was doing this and now I'm running away. It's his kindness. And it's godly sorrow, which means I'm sorrowful because I don't have a relationship with God. It's all about love. But when you feel his kindness, you know what you'll do? Then you know that even though I did it again, I can run through confession. Look at the verse. If we confess our sins, now listen, he is faithful and just to forgive us and what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I know is true, man, in my own life. If you cleanse yourself, because the Bible said, cleanse your, if you cleanse yourself from what's dishonorable, you'll be honorable. But the only way you can actually be cleansed is you don't change yourself. You run through grace and truth. You tell Jesus one more time, as honestly as you can, this is me. This is my addiction. This is what I love more than you. This is my evil behavior. This is my youthful lust. This is what I crave more than I crave you. God, this is what's making me not say yes to you, not be devoted to you, and I don't want it anymore. And if you honestly confess that to him, he says, my grace will touch your truth. My grace, my grace, my power, my love will forgive you. And you'll be free and I will cleanse you. The only power, you guys, to say yes to God is from his spirit inside of us. It's not in you. So how do you run? In an effective way. You run through love. I love you, Jesus. And then even when you still fall, you fix your eyes on him and you see him on the cross, totally taking all your sin into your body, and you just fall into his mercy and grace one more time. And then let him do the work. 
Let him do the work. So that's what we're going to do. You see it, man. We're doing communion. It's right here. It's right back there. It's right over here. It's way back there and way back here. Jesus wanted to help you run today. And here's how we're going to do it. He said, you've got to remember that this is not about you trying harder. This is not going to help you. This is about you receiving my power, my love, my forgiveness, and my grace. But you will never receive it if you don't confess it. You've got to confess your sin so that he can actually touch it. Okay? So, right here, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to take, come up, and you're going to take the body, right? So Jesus said, I want you to remember, this is my body broken for you. And then you're going to take it, and you're going to dip it in the cup. And he said, remember, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. And I, and you guys, I want you to take some time, actually. Don't just run up here today, okay? Now, because you could actually walk out of here cleansed today. If you run here and confess your stuff to Jesus, so you need to sit. I think most of you need to sit for a moment and take some time and confess to him any youthful passion that you're involved in, anything that's hindering you from saying yes to him, and get it out. Be specific and be honest and tell him. And then sit and listen to God say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then you come and you take Christ's body that was broken for you that took all your sin so you would never have to experience the punishment. Then you dip it into the blood and go, Jesus, you've forgiven me of everything. And then you take it and you put it down and you feel it go down into your system that will go through every fiber of your being. And spiritually, Jesus wants to set you free today to be useful, honorable, esteemed, live in the life you were created to live and not captured by youthful stuff. I know you don't want it. Let's be set free from it and he'll do it for you today, all right? Now, if some of you want to come up and grab that bread and juice and then go back and hold it and go through that process, that's cool. You do, but don't just take communion. Confess and receive and be set free, okay? Let's stand together and let's do it.